0: Good day, greetings, hello, and welcome to Art at the End of the World, the podcast where we welcome artists, entertainers, and cultural leaders speaking about what it is to make art here at the end. And my name is Mark Wigmore. Thank you for checking out the show. This is your first time here. Welcome. And uh, this is episode nine of our ten-episode season. All the episodes available to you for free, wherever you enjoy podcasts, Stitcher Spotify, the TuneIn In app, Google, iTunes of course, art at the end dot and classicalfm.ca, the new classical FM our very special presenter of this podcast with the Zoomer Podcast Network. Lots of ways to get to the program, and we have great conversations with people like uh, Ben Kowalowicz from Billy Talent. He was just on a couple weeks ago. Film legends Howard Shore. Fantastic composer Lord of the Rings. Uh, Robert Lantos. Canada's, uh, arguably Canada's, Most famous producer, film producer. Alan Zweig, the documentarian. Schitt's Creek's Karen Robinson did the show. Juno nominee, Alexandra Streliski. Who else? So many others. You can find out more. Search for it, Art at the End of the World, on your favorite podcast app. And please do subscribe. Today is Baroness Von Sketch Day, one of the big stories within Canadian and international comedy, for that matter, uh, over the last few years, to be sure. Founder, star of the show, and longtime showrunner with Baroness Von Sketch, Carolyn Taylor is my guest today. And uh, honestly... Carolyn is the first person I thought of when I put this new season together. We did the first 10 episodes back in 2019, and I I knew that it might happen again. And as I was mulling through potential guests for the program, Carolyn was really uh, top of mind. And so I'm so glad she agreed to do it. I want to thank Liz Reed, who worked very hard to put this together over the last uh, six months or so. So thank you, Liz, and uh, great to have Carolyn here. Baroness Von Sketch, very in the moment. Zeitgeist program wildly popular uh, really flips the storytelling we traditionally have seen in comedy sketch shows and on a large scale it really is everywhere it's made use of social media the internet in a big way netflix And really, Carolyn is the perfect person to talk to about uh, changing cultural climate and big change when it comes to who gets to tell stories and make us laugh. And that's really why I put this podcast together, to talk about artistry, but also what it is to make art in this turbulent moment of massive cultural and political and environmental change and certainly uh, health changes Really looking forward to getting Carolyn's perspective in just moments. Thank you to Red Eye Media, a leading arts and entertainment communications company working with award-winning clients, including the Musical Stage Company, Summer Works Performance Festival, and many others. RedEyeMedia.ca for more info, one of our great sponsors, and get in touch with Red Eye if you need representation for your arts organization. The episode also sponsored by Crows Theatre, one of this country's most acclaimed arts organizations based in Toronto's East End. Making it a vibrant East End, Crow's Theatre creating unforgettable theatre that examines and illuminates the pivotal narratives of our times. Theater.com for info and tickets. You can enjoy a show at Carlaw and Dundas. You'll see the big marquee. All the Little Animals I Have Eaten. How about that for a title? And Black Top Sky both start next week at Crow's Theatre. All right. So Carolyn Taylor raised in Montreal and cut her teeth in the business here in Toronto over the last couple decades. She's trained with Second City. Uh, this hour has 22 minutes work there. Queer as folk. Dan for mayor. Just some of her credits. She worked on The Hour with George Strombolopoulos way back in the day and then got this idea for putting together a sketch troupe with Meredith McNeil what a weapon she is. Uh, Aurora Brown, Jennifer Whelan, just four tremendous talents and calling it Baroness Von Sketch. And I remember hearing about this thing way back about five years ago and thinking it sounded pretty cool. I was a little surprised that a sketch show was actually getting picked up and hearing that CBC was on board and Netflix was behind it. It was really the imagination wandered. What was this thing going to be? And it's Turned into a real big deal, and it's delivered, hasn't it? Just totally hilarious. I think number one, and highly shareable, very of the moment, I think politically minded to some degree. But I don't think that that overwhelms how funny the show is, whether you consider it to be feminist or a political game changer or what have you. Really, it's just a funny show at its core. Total destination television for me. I've always loved sketch comedy on TV. The show has won several Canadian Screen Awards over the years. It's up for five statues, five candies, as Norm MacDonald calls them. Uh, The CSAs will be handed out on March 29th, and uh, Baroness Von Sketch up for five of those statues. And whenever I've watched the show, I always suspected that Carolyn was in a leadership role with the troupe. I didn't necessarily know that to be true. But she's so funny, and she often is playing a leader of a group within a sketch, like maybe a boss, or she's the one taking someone to dinner. Really does have this strong presence, and she was indeed showrunner for several seasons. And like I say, with this all-female-led troupe, with the attention it gets internationally, with the way it has harnessed distribution through Netflix and social media, YouTube, and the subject matter that we're laughing at, a lot of it is new, and we haven't seen these ideas on screen before and what else can you ask for? Very artistic in that way. A cultural game changer. So let's get to it. My conversation with Carolyn Taylor from Baroness Fawn Sketch on art at the end of the world. Anyway. Yeah. Oh god. Oh no. <laughs> How are we doing? We're good? Um okay. <laughs> I've been really looking forward to this, by the way. Me
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> Come
0: on. It took forever. You have this amazing layers of, of people to get I, to you. Do I? Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. That means something. Are they nice? Oh, everybody was very nice. Okay, good. But it good. made me realize you're very busy. Yeah. You know, things are going pretty well for CT.
1: I guess. I hate even <laughs> saying those words. I'm such a like, ooh. How,
0: how, how do you, station. because you just got five CSA noms. Yes. How, how do you deal with the praise? How's the praise?
1: Uh, I, was, I respond very gonna be well. Because you're going to be getting some
0: over the next hour.
1: <laughs> I respond very well to praise. No, I. <laughs> I don't know. It's really nice. It's lovely. Really? Okay. Yeah.
0: Sure. Yeah. I saw. You, I think I saw you on stage maybe the first year that the. What? Is there a short form for Baroness von Sketch? Do you go to the Baronesses?
1: Oh, yeah, I guess. The Baroness, sure.
0: <laughs> Is sure, that sure, you go sure. Or, the... bar-
1: or Baroness. I saw it on Baroness. Right. Or, uh, that's usually what people say when they're right, right. talking to me. They don't usually But say I
0: remember for... you, and you were seemingly pretty emotional that first year. Oh,
1: yes, I was. Yeah. Yes, I was. I
0: was there in the media scrum. Okay. Uh, in the basement,
1: was this the one that was the televised? Yeah, it was, yeah, the televised one because yeah. there's the industry night, yeah, and then the right. televised night. Yes, I was emotional that night. I was so just, it's kind
0: of like maybe the first one, I think. It uh, for, for Baroness,
1: yes, no, we were nominated the first year and we didn't win. Uh, it was that was the Gord Downey special, like you know, that that right huge night, and, and we were up against them, and, you know what, we didn't want to win. We're like, no, this goes to Gord, oh my gosh. Uh, and it was the following year that we won.
0: I remember my friend Dustin, who had done some artwork for an album cover that year, mm. uh, he was up nominated for Juno, I think I've got this right, and it was also the same year that Gord <laughs> passed away, right. and he had put out that, you know, that solo record and yeah. it was so great, and, yeah. and, and Dustin was just like, well... <laughs>
1: Not my year. I'm not winning. No, no, <laughs> it
0: was, yeah. it was uh, darkly. But then you question,
1: like, what is winning, right? But maybe still, you know, being. I think here. just
0: nominated, <laughs> being nominated, is a nice yeah. thing in in all these awards. Oh, for sure. So it just gets you part of the. You're part of the conversation. Yeah,
1: you get to have the dinner and the yeah <laughs> the drink. I yeah. Mean, no, no, it's yeah, you're part of the conversation. It's great. It yeah? is good. Yeah, for
0: sure. Well, congrats on that, by the way, and it well deserved. Another five nominations. For Thanks. You I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I'll go back about uh, gosh. I'm trying to think about what this might be. 2008, I want to say I'm working at 1039 Proud FM. Oh, yes. Okay, okay. a church in Wellesley. Yeah. And I'm uh, sitting there and I'm talking to Scott Thompson, yes. Kids in the Hall of Fame. And we're we're talking about whatever terrifying show he's putting together at that point. Of course, he was putting on these very... Uh, Darkly funny and and really pushed a lot of buttons with this show he was doing at that time. But yeah. but we got talking about kids in the hall, and he said, "I'm still waiting for that Canadian troupe to come along." Because I think we were talking about, gosh, there was this moment back in the '70s and the early '80s where there was this funnel of Canadian talent that was getting to places like Saturday Night Live, SCTV was getting picked up, uh, and then somebody like Mike Myers was you know going down and doing all these things. You know, and then the kids came along, and it just felt like there was suddenly something that just sort of stopped happening for, for Canadian talent on that level. So he said, I'm waiting for the next troop to come and, and just kick our asses. <laughs> That's what he said. And I, I just, it hasn't happened yet, and I'm looking forward to it when it happens. And it sort of dawned on me at the time, and I started thinking, okay. And, and as the years would go by, I would see different troops and different talent come along, and I, I remember thinking Picnic Face might be it. yeah. But they really only had that one season, and right. and they all kind of dispersed after that. And then Baroness comes along, and I said, there you go, Scott. <laughs> they came. Right. They kicked your ass. <laughs> I and I think he would only be too happy.
1: Okay. I well, really believe that. I hope so. I hope
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does feel like finally some Canadians came in there doing this format of comedy. And,
1: yeah. And, and I mean— to be fair it's it's also happening at at the higher level at the network level like there need to be green lights there needs to be development there need to be development deals that don't go on for f- 4 years and then your material is is dead in the water by right. the time they you know make a decision so i think we were we just came in at the the right time it was a it was a timing thing where i guess there was an appetite finally cuz when you're working in the biz you always hear oh they don't want sketch anymore no one wants sketch no one wants improv no one you know and you just hear these things it's also getting those green lights because there are a lot of troops who were doing a lot of work, you sure know, and is. trying to get shows. And and so it, it's not that people weren't taking shots.
0: It was waiting for the industry to to say, yeah. yes, we're looking for that right now. It's not necessarily the, yeah. about the quality or what. Have you.
1: Well, I mean, I think,
0: you know, <laughs> but that, you know of but course, but you, they had to be at a high it level. Had,
1: it had but, to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think it was just a, the right time
0: it was uh, i the other interview i think of is i think it's 2015 and i've just gone to see a second city show and i got i said to myself i have to have that Kevin Whaling character and that guy is oh, so funny he's so good he's so unbelievable yeah. and he was just one of these malleable characters you could put him in anything yeah. and, and he was so great yeah. and so we had we he came in and he couldn't have been more modest of course so i was sort of like you know really uh, trying to muscle him through the interview to get to talk talk yeah. about how great he is but towards the end, he goes, oh, by the way, I should mention, my sister's working on this uh, show, and uh, we think it's getting picked up by CBC, and it's called Baroness Font Sketch, so look out for it.
1: <laughs> right.
0: And on. that is such a wonderful memory when I think back now, because he's been on
1: that Oh, my God, he's for, been on many, many times. times. I was just podcast. watching some of the rough cuts um, that are in prep for season five, and yeah, he just cracks me up every time. He can play sort of the everyman and just show the foibles and the idiosyncrasies and the you know the 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 sad dark side I right. guess of of being a a man today <laughs> and uh, you know and also go into some really kooky places as well. He's yeah he's a great actor and I just saw him also on Bit Players uh, and that's Chris Siddiqui and Nigel Downer's uh, new show on CBC Jam. Oh, okay. and it's really funny. It's nothing like Baroness and it is hilarious, and uh, I was
0: just binging it. And he, he talked about having to go back and forth to L.A. a lot as a Canadian, mm. you know, performer, actor, yeah. comedian. Is that something you got to do? you got to be I, down there a bit?
1: I didn't do that. Like, at the time when everyone was sort of making the trip and they'd stay in Silver Lake and everyone would you know, go to pilot season. I don't even know if there is an official pilot season anymore. Seems
0: like it's all changing. It's, everything's very changed. Rapidly, yeah. And I,
1: I just didn't do that. I kind of... I wasn't feeling it. And I kind of, I, I was young at the time. I'm like, I only want to go if they bring me. <laughs> I'm such an <laughs> asshole. But uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I like it out there. I would there. have thought that way. Yeah. Too. <laughs> you know, it's I like, just,
0: what? I got to, what?
1: Well, I'm going to go there and knock on and... people's door. Like, you know, like if there's something to be there for, I'm happy to be there. Right. So uh, we're
0: kind of the same clock.
1: Are way. we? Yeah. Oh, great. Fast friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that, but have you, you must have had to go down oh, there. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. For sure. Meetings yes, yes, yes. And all this yes, stuff lately. I and...
1: have, yes. Yeah, so is that we all right? Down. Yeah. you like the sunshine down there? I actually do like the sunshine. I thought I had this sort of East Coast bias, like, oh, I only like Toronto or New York or whatever. And then I went down to L.A. to visit some friends, and this is pre-Baroness, and I was like, oh, I I actually kind of like it. I kind of like having sun every day. And every day I woke up, I was like, oh, sure. Oh, wow. Lucky me. Right. I'm here during the sunny time. <laughs> I do oh, no, know. It's like that every day.
0: <laughs> all the musicians and actors I talk to who live here... Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty hard for anybody to say, no, I don't like it down there. I mean, I had Robert Lantos on and he's, you know, cur- curmudgeon some of the time. And he said, well, I still like, I still like the sun.
1: And it's nice. <laughs> I mean, it is nice to have, to have the sun. There are some nice things, you know, the driving culture, total pain. But now Toronto, I'm like, oh man, it's, right. is it worse? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> yeah. Ugh.
0: One of the nice things about this show, and just thinking about Kevin for a second, is that it has been this wonderful place for Second City talent to go to, to be on national television, to be on Netflix, to be on this platform. And I think that's one of the nicest elements that you installed into that program.
1: Yeah, that felt felt great, and that was very intentional. I mean, not specifically Second City, but that's where so many of our pals and, and people who are doing... Really interesting work and improvised nuanced work um on stage,
0: and that's where you're from
1: where, and that's where I'm from, yeah. yeah. Um, And Aurora and and Jen as well. So it was exciting to be able to hire people we knew could look at a script and know, okay, it doesn't have to be read verbatim. I mean, sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. But a lot of the time we let the camera roll and allow for some improvisation at the end. Or we say, okay, let's do one to script, and now let's have fun with one. And then when you're in the edit, you're able to pick up those little nuggets that you couldn't have written because, you know, they just come out of the the ether in the moment, you know?
0: Must be sort of joyful to...
1: It is. It's exciting Watch to, to uh-huh. leave the page, yeah, for sure, yeah. and having people who are so skilled and, and capable of doing that, like Kevin Whalen and, and like Paloma Nunez and a whole, whole bunch of folks, Jen Goodhue.
0: Chris Locke and I were, yeah. we used to live beside each other in Parkdale. We had a, a joint porch that we would, uh. you know, we had this sort of, we were on the second story of a, of a building, and when we were kids, we would just wander out there and talk about comedy, and Hang out, and uh, it's been pretty fun. He was on this podcast last season yeah. too, so it was pretty fun to uh, to see yeah. him on your show. Oh, as well.
1: he's great! I love his brain. He's so weird.
0: He is so he's weird. So
1: weird and wonderful. He oh. just makes me laugh.
0: He just, he just he's one laugh. of those guys. A bit like Meredith that way too, where mm-hmm. they both just exude. Funny yeah. on some level. Yeah, they just walking to the yeah. room, and, and you're like, like, "Okay, here we go. Here we go. Something's gonna happen." <laughs> totally. <laughs> so that's it's been so nice because it started to my point earlier. So many times at Second City shows, I thought to myself, well, "I wish there was a bigger platform here." And it's, it's been so nice to see that. Yeah. that stairway, you know, back yeah. and forth.
1: Right. Yeah, it's been great.
0: Are you a Toronto person or you? I'm from Montreal. Oh, from Montreal. Okay. Yeah, we say
1: Montreal. <laughs>
0: Montreal.
1: Yeah, if you're from Montreal, you say Montreal, That's unless right. you're French, uh, Montreal. But uh, it's usually people who aren't from Montreal, they say Montreal. So right. I'm just giving you a, a tip, <laughs> if you want it. I mean, you cut it out of the, the radio. I hope that no, doesn't good. make it. I'm horrible. Why would I say that? Why right. would I say, I'm I, just giving you a, a tip.
0: Well, I'm out on the air every day at Classical FM yes. and I do the show. And so I say, uh, I'll say, uh, you're listening in Toronto mm-hmm. and I get in trouble for saying that. Yeah. You're I, supposed to say Toronto. Toronto, yeah. yeah. So Montreal. And Montreal, yeah. Now, my wife is originally from Montreal, so, oh, so. Uh, she has corrected me before. Yes. So
1: Okay, uh, good. Good. I'm not <laughs> so the we're,
0: first. We're good. Okay, phew. Yeah, in fact, it, it does seem to be a, a theme here that I uh, do speak to a lot of people who
1: got Yeah, there. you just had, uh, was it Alexandra? Stralisky, Stralisky yeah. Yeah, Montreal.
0: But she lives there. Right. Yeah, But I, I speak to a lot of people who are born there yeah. or started there and then made their way to Toronto. Yeah. What was the story? You uh, came here when?
1: Well, I came here, I think in, uh, I think it was 97. Yeah, 97. I traveled. Uh, I graduated university uh, at Queen's, worked for about six months in Montreal, went off, traveled for about a year, Australia and New Zealand, and then came back and moved to Toronto and into my friend's basement apartment in Cabbage Town and started taking classes at Second City.
0: Because I moved here almost the exact same time, 99, from Victoria.
1: Oh, from Victoria.
0: How did you uh, How did you feel about the city at that well, point? It was we, a, bit of a bit of a lonely transition, isn't it, it?
1: Kind of. I mean, I'd grown up, of course, in Montreal, second generation Montreal, and a lot of my family had made, you know, the big exodus to Toronto in, you know, the 60s and 70s, right, right. with, you know, with the, the banks, With the banks, right. exactly. And yeah. my uncle was in an ad firm, and so he moved here, but he'd keep driving back every weekend because, like, ah, Toronto's horrible, and, you know, want to come to Montreal and hang out and party and have, have fun and... Uh, and my aunt as well. So I had a lot of family in Toronto. I was often doing the Via Rail, you know, right. trip from Montreal to Toronto as a kid. So coming here, I had, you know, friends from university. I had, I mean, it wasn't, it's not Montreal. It wasn't Montreal. Sure <laughs> but isn't. I know, it sure isn't. But I like Toronto. You know, like I'm maybe one of those Montrealers who's like, you know what, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of great people and, and I'm happy to be here. Yes, and right. being an, an Anglophone too, you know, it right. makes a difference, like to actually work in the arts, you know, in Quebec and Montreal. I mean, I guess you could if you were unilingual but that would be really tough you'd be pretty limited to like the centaur <laughs> like right. you know a few smaller venues but uh, i just i mean i can speak french but i didn't feel you know i'm not very then.
0: so uh the late 90s uh in toronto signed up to second city and uh, uh how does that look for you is it is it an easy fit or are you feeling comfortable doing that e- I, I took a few classes there and i would hear the improvisers and just think what the hell is going on in there
1: yeah, yeah, it was, um, so I started in 97 and I started at like level A, like the very beginning. And um, I ended up meeting some of my great friends to this day um, in those classes and, and they um, so that was, was quite wonderful and we were the first group to go through the conservatory it didn't exist before so right. whatever that would have been 98 I guess or something it takes about a year to go through each kind of block chunk Yeah. Uh, so there were two chunks at the time and I was going through the second chunk and that's when I auditioned for uh, the tour Co. and I remember hearing when I went to drop off my resume I knew someone in the box office Don Whitwell actually And Dawn was like, oh, I've heard they're not hiring women this year. Like, they're getting rid of all the men, but, you know, and that's what she'd heard through the grapevine. There was always a grapevine, you know. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to audition anyway. I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, Ah, youth. uh, Youth. At work right there. (laughs) So I I gave it a shot, and sure enough, they ended up, you know, recasting all the women, (laughs) Um, and I was one of them.
0: What do you think was snapping there? What, What were they seeing?
1: Well, Oh, what was it? Well, I remember actually Sandy Belkovsky, who I always think of as a bit of a guardian angel because she was the one who said yes to me. She was in the audition. It was right. Bob Martin, I think, and, and Sandy Belkovsky. And she said to me later, it was because I was laughing and I I laughed at other people's work. Like when I was sitting watching, I was laughing because I, I thought they were doing a really you know, good job. And so I just was in a spirit of playfulness. And I think I learned that actually from the class I was with in Second City. They were a really supportive, laughy class, and we just really vibed with each other. And so I guess I just, that carried through into the audition. And
0: That's interesting, because you could have that class where people are a little more judgy and and a little more competitive and what have you, when we suddenly have that group who's actually all actively and with positivity yes. pushing each other yes and then you're just armed with that well i was when and you so, walk in
1: yeah exactly i was in that and i remember before i left i'd listened to that was the year or soon after lauren hills the miseducation of lauren hill came out and that album was everything the to record me.
0: comes up a lot in in sort of best Does of it? lists oh, and so well, on it's... just in the sense that i think it, it transcended time and space yeah. from how important it is now oh. and when she goes on to her now people are still like oh yeah
1: I still it's, love her. Like even there. when she makes me wait two hours and she butchers the set, and I'm like, "So what you've
0: happened? been? You've been? Oh, one, I've been. To i one was of one these, of them. Uh, I have much talked. I
1: about have. I've been to a couple of them. Yeah. And uh, but I, I'm like, it's unconditional, Lauren. I'm sorry. You gave me the miseducation. Mistreat me, Lauren. Do what you need to do. Yeah. You know, I won't go out of my way all the time to see you, but um, be you. I love you.
0: I'm amazed at the, we're going off on a tangent here and I want to get back to it, but I am amazed at the incredible interest in Alanis Morissette again right now. Yeah. It's just like those tickets went like Hotcakes. I know. Full musical (laughs) in Broadway right now. New album being played on the radio. I've heard it on the radio. I haven't heard it. It's just like, it's right back. Wow. Like, here she goes again.
1: That was another album. I was like listening, working my job in Montreal, and just like, yes, I identify. (laughs) Right.
0: Right? It was was that record for, uh, uh, I think, in particular for women. In fact, I I mean, for guys, too. I liked it because the Red Hot Chili Peppers were playing the guitars on it and stuff. Right, okay, right. God. Anyway, yeah. we could go on about records, but yeah. but you you mentioned Lauren Hill as this record at the right. time. So
1: I was, I, to get into a good zone for my audition, or maybe it was my callback, I can't remember audition or callback, and I listened to Zion, the fourth track on the album, and, you know, it's about her, again, it's about choosing to keep a child, and, you know, when everyone's saying, follow your career, you know, and instead she chose to right. use her heart. So while it wasn't <laughs> as sort of uh, <laughs> life and death literally as that, I was like, I got to follow my heart. Like, I have a day job, but I'm, I'm going for this. And everyone's telling me maybe not, you know, like, it wasn't on the scene. Like, I was taking the classes, but I didn't have a troop. I wasn't really hanging out there. I was working a day job. So, um I got into the zone listening to Zion and I just rode that wave all the way.
0: Well, you know, it's funny when we look back, I, I often think, oh, I haven't taken that many risks, mm. but then I think, well, I moved here right. and I did take these steps so that I just don't, I don't put a lot of weight on now. And I think about a story like that yeah. and you took a risk.
1: I took a risk. And then yeah. I, so I got, I got the same day I got into the touring company, um, I had been working at a Two jobs, one at a call center, Signature Vacations. I, I worked need-
0: at a call center, oh, too, geez. here in Toronto. Yep. I was a mutual fund company.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Uh, very quickly, I yes. I got fired because they had a sports day. I dressed up in a sports outfit. Yes. They didn't tell me it was also corporate day. So I'm like, why would you have a sports day on a corporate day? So I'm the one guy.
1: You got fired for
0: that? Well, they were like, okay. They your, didn't like you your anymore. Your days are numbered. Yeah. And they told me I could only uh, come back in the office that day if I put on some pants and I had no money and I didn't have any like credit card or anything. I had like $2. So I went and bought women's stirrup pants at the Salvation Army and I came back.
1: Good for you. And but what back. sports team doesn't have pants? Like, what were you wearing? I was wearing shorts. Oh, shorts. Okay, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I like, just wore a T-shirt. In the,
0: for some reason. Call centers, right? Yeah, yeah call A little centers. bit soul-sucking. Yeah,
1: a little bit soul-sucking for sure. Uh, but I won this bottle of Veuve Clicquot because I sold... I don't know what it was, a trip to Ireland or something. I can't remember. But I, for some reason, Viv is the prize. Right. <laughs> um, and so I'd stuck it aside and said, if I get into, when I, or no, I, I phrased it as, when I get into the Second City Touring Company, we will pop that champagne. And I guess it was like a year or two later. And so we popped the Viv, And that very same day, I got a promotion at work. I had left the call center at this right. point, And I was working as an assistant at a television, uh, selling TV airtime at WBS, doesn't exist anymore.
0: It's great. I love that you have all these experiences. Yeah. This this lends to why you were able to become a showrunner, I think.
1: I, well, it kind of does and drawing on all these sort of work experiences yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so I got promoted to have the office, the expense account and everything that, and become a rep.
0: So it's like jumping that barrier young, from being for, like young for that I guess. to have an expense account. I don't think I have an expense well, account. Well, those
1: were the end of those <laughs> glory, those days where people are like throwing a football at the office and going for a boozy Friday lunch like it right. was it felt like it was back in time actually yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this place and so the same day and I was like oh wow so I started I tried to juggle both and then um I used all my vacation at WBS to go to my rehearsals for Second City and, and we'd perform Sunday nights in the Turco and then I'd have to wake up early so I everyone would be partying I'd be like oh I'm gonna get to work and yeah. you know um and then it reached a point where I had to make a choice because they wanted me for a couple of weeks to do more rehearsals I'd run out of time and they made me choose the work the job and I said okay well I choose second city and everyone's like you're so brave but I didn't feel brave I was like of course I'm following my dream right
0: and uh, there's uh, you, no bravery actually And you do think that so many people don't get that chance and don't get the,
1: when does that happen? the
0: step, right? I, yeah. mean, I mean, I've talked to lots of people who haven't been able to no. get on that main stage or getting in the, into the touring cast. Did you do all that stuff, the touring cast? And the, yeah, I did yeah. the touring
1: company for about a year, maybe a year and a half, and then I went up to main stage. But again, at Tour Coat, you're not guaranteed anything. You're no. guaranteed $85 a week, and you could be fired at any time. Wow. But I was like, sure, <laughs> no problem. Show business. <laughs> Show business. And I really didn't know any better. I was like, okay, and then made it to main stage stage, so lucky me. And that's, um, Aurora and I actually met in tour Co, but we then got to be on a main stage cast together, Aurora Brown and Jen Goodhue and I. okay uh, And that was magical. That was, that was great
0: and, to work with them. And we get to uh, enjoy that. All the time. Right yeah. now, yeah. which is great. The touring thing is funny, right? I actually went and saw one of the touring shows like North somewhere. I can't oh. remember. It was, I, well, I think it was in South Georgian Bay kind of area and they had a little theater up there and. Yeah. And I just thought this is, this is it. Like they these kids have to get on the road and and yeah. go do this thing and and deal with very different audiences than downtown Toronto.
1: Oh, very different. And like in a van that it's surely not legal. <laughs> like maybe two seatbelts and no heat or whatever. Wasn't <laughs> just rattling along, but fun, the way. right? But super fun. We had a great time. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome.
0: And, and and then it really is from there. I mean, I don't want to compress time too much, but uh, uh you do seem to get gigs with a lot of these shows. Strombolopoulos show comes yeah. into the play at some point. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was uh I'd been at 22 minutes and a friend of mine who had he just started uh, uh what, Tim McAuliffe.
0: What was, was the, the uh what was the jump from Second City to oh, one of these shows or like a The TV jump show. was
1: I was I was. I'd finished Second City. I'd gone in my Lada. I bought a Lada and traveled across the country in it, and deciding wherever it breaks down is where I'll stay. And that's what I did for a few months. A little and bit,
0: a little bit hippie-ish. Like a little a, bit hippie-ish. Yeah. 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 Was that in you? Are you? Yeah. yeah like, like I
1: walked the Camino. I, you know, did 800 km kilom- or 776 kilometers. Because you
0: know, like I, I go to like a dead show. And yeah. Like I'm, I, that, I'm that guy a little
1: bit. I've never been to a dead show, but. <laughs> But uh, I have friends who have no. But I uh, I like an, a weird solo adventure that doesn't quite make sense. That isn't completely planned out. That right. like I walked the Camino. I didn't have a map. I
0: you know didn't bring an iPhone. Free spirit thing.
1: I guess Is sometimes. That, I
0: just saw your tarot cards uh, sketch. Uh, oh, I
1: thought you saw my deck. I was like, you saw my tarot cards.
0: <laughs> I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was you actually in the sketch. Which but, was it? Uh it was like they keep putting on tarot cards, and they're all like death
1: and oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. That one? yeah, yeah, I can't remember who wrote that, but uh oh. I think Jen Goodhee wrote that, but uh yeah Just,
0: yes you're you're into it, you're into the oh, for the sure. free spirit the teaching,
1: uh, the tarot, yeah, why not?
0: It's good. Yeah, I like, I like
1: making decisions. When I walked the Camino, actually, I had this rock that had almost looked like an arrow marking on it, just somehow. It, that was the marking of the rock. And if I had to make a decision, I was like, oh, do I keep walking tonight or stay in this city or do I take this path or that path? Right. Um, if I didn't know, I'd, I'd consult the rock. And my only rule was if you consult the rock, you have to do what the
0: rock says. So don't look
1: at the rock if you're going to say, actually, I don't want to go that way.
0: Good. And good self-discipline. Never let me down. Really? Just yeah. to follow the rock.
1: Follow the rock. I mean, yeah. I only consulted it a
0: few times. Right. But, you know. When you were feeling like, okay.
1: Yeah. But that, that I think, affirms trust in the world. When right. You can say, it doesn't matter if I walk this way or that way. One way may be longer. One may have a blister and one may, whatever. You, it'll all work out. It's good. I guess.
0: I like this talk. I like yeah. what you're, uh, uh, so, uh, okay, so you went on this cross-Canadian trip. You're uh-huh. following the rock.
1: Mm the rock, So I, I come back and what happens? Oh, Jen Whalen is working at 22 Minutes. And she says, you should submit a package, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. So I put together a package.
0: Mark, Mark Little used to say to me, it's just all former CODCO writers over there. Right. Is, that, is that what it is? I don't know. You don't know. know. You're maybe not that I actually don't know. Invested.
1: Well, I mean, I, yeah. I like the people out there. They yeah. were great. Barry Julian, you know, Mark Farrell was the showrunner at the time. And so he gave me my first break for that I'm super grateful yeah so I put together a package and Jen I remember her saying a lot of people ask but they don't actually do the package when it comes down to it they don't do the work and write the sketches and the jokes and submit it but I did and they give you a trial like a week or two I was writing stuff, and and the kind of the deal is if you get something on the air in that week or two, then chances are they'll ask you back because it's actually kind of hard to get sure. something on there when you're new, and there's a lot of other people of course, yeah, who know the sense. beast. If you get a joke in and a sketch, that's a good sign
0: and I, I like yeah. this idea though that you know some people wouldn't bother putting together the package well, so hard. that that's installed in you you do have this work ethic i guess so that yeah has come from somewhere where does that is that mom
1: that uh no, <laughs> <laughs> no maybe, quick on the trial yeah though. wait i don't think that's my mom really she was like oh I, as long as you do your best i love you right um
0: but i mean i'm, I'm thinking maybe she modeled that or she probably did yeah. you know
1: what i i was high achieving as a kid mm-hmm. i i did my homework i liked school i worked Hard at it. I mean, not so hard. Uh, well enough to to be at whatever level I felt was.
0: Okay. Are you are you comfortable in leadership?
1: Uh, yeah, I like it, but I I only I like it if I if it feels earned. I like it if it feels right. Like if I know where we're going or have a an inner compass of of where that may be. But if I don't, I, I'm not the person who's like I'll take I'll lead the group. Like right. I'll lead if if it feels right.
0: As I've watched the show over the last. You know, whatever it's been four years now. Yeah. You always felt like the natural leader to me. I did not know you were show showrunner. Yeah. Like it just felt like you were overseeing this thing, and this was yeah. so, so, to some degree your baby that you were watching. Yeah. You know, sort of expand into the universe.
1: Yeah. I was showrunning for the first three seasons, yeah. and um, it was a shit ton of work. It was a lot of work, but I could see it. I could see the show, and and you know, and know you know in those that land of satire, you know, like what we were aiming for. And I wasn't working alone. I had like Meredith and Aurora and Jen. So it's not like, oh, it's just me. And right, you know, right, like, there was, they were, we're all executive producers. So there are these great minds, but yeah, it was, it was one job where I felt I could see it. And so no, in the writing room, when someone would write something, it's like, oh, that's funny, but maybe that's for another show. That's, that's, you know, Broad City or that's, you know, Sunnyside or that's whatever. No, let's, let's, let's really focus on what this show is. And, and it, and there were some people in the room who'd never written before, right, for TV. So,
0: how was your comfort level? Because it sounds like between the different acting gigs, you know, mm-hmm. showing up on Queer as Folk, showing up oh, yeah. on, uh, uh, working on George's show, working yeah. on uh, 22 Minutes, yeah. that, you know, it's like you're handed this work and then you do it and then it's sort of auditioning and trying different things. How was that bouncing? Was that bouncing around for you? It was you? okay, but yeah. I
1: had reached a point where. I was tired of writing in other people's voices and I, and that was a very clear um, realization. And I remember talking to my agent Carly and I went to her and I said, I don't actually want to work on other people's shows anymore. Like I don't want to write in other people's voices. I need to create something. And she's like, okay. And, uh, and then of course that's really dangerous when you make those decisions because then your material conditions, like literally paychecks kind of stop arriving. and, And at the same time I wasn't being asked to be in people's, rooms i went into this weird dry spell so it was very strange it was actually kind of like i was saying it but it's not like i was being deluged with opportunities i you know right um so it was a very hard time where i was like really struggling to you know what is my voice but i guess i needed don't they say like with an orchid you need to starve it in order for it to grow and then you water it once every two i don't
0: know well people uh, joke with me all the time this is radio station number Five, right for me. Okay, and it's been a pretty tough battle some of the time, and there's been yeah. some real lonely moments where you think yeah. I don't know if I got another one of these in me. Yeah, and but it's just exactly that. I mean, for some reason, yeah. You, I think you have to be ready to kind of give it you up. Do
1: and, and then say yeah. I'll
0: just either it's going to go better or. Or I, I, maybe I got to think of something. Else.
1: That's what I was. That's what I was saying yeah. because I just I wasn't happy. I wasn't feeling satisfied, and and I think writing in other people's voices is super important training as a writer totally. for sure. But I'd reached a point where there were other things things I wanted to say, and those platforms weren't there, and I didn't have any grand plan. I just knew I wasn't satisfied, and and so it was a really yeah, it was an, ended up being a very fertile time. But I guess sometimes you have to go fallow, right in order to
0: yeah, you know. It's Art at the End of the World. My name is Mark Wigmore. We will return with Carolyn Taylor in moments. You're listening to the Zoomer Podcast Network. You are listening to Art at the End of the World on the Zoomer Podcast Network. We return to my conversation with a wonderful person and a huge comedic talent, Carolyn Taylor. It, it does feel like there's been with this show that there, as much as the funny is wildly important, and I think it's probably the show's greatest strength. But there has been this intention, you know, there has been this thing that you, you seem to somewhat consciously want mm-hmm. to to put together. That let's start yeah. talking about the things we've never seen on television before.
1: Yeah, I guess, and and coming from the place of the personal, right? Like you know, the way the personal is political, and so rather than like it was never the mandate of the show to do impressions of you know politicians and there right. were other shows doing a great job of that right. and so that wasn't what this show was so it was really knowing what it wasn't as much as what it was and so finding the political in the personal and saying okay well let's let's look at that because there's a truth in that and there and and it's worth exploring and sure enough it resonated and people could see themselves in the characters and that was one of the things in the writing room like we wanted people to see themselves or see a friend or, oh, my God, that's just like my sister. That's just like my, you know, boss. It's right. like me. Or to cringe the parts that you cringe at in oh, your yeah. in yourself.
0: You did that to me every week. Oh, God. I, I got something.
1: I, I like playing cringeworthy parts. Like I go to the grossest parts of myself and other people and, <laughs> and just go, okay. I,
0: You're, yeah. uh, I, I think of your, a lot of cosmetic surgery uh, the four women getting together—they were like, uh, they're all like wives, I think, of maybe rich people, okay. and they're all together, and you, your lips are blown up like crazy. Oh, oh
1: is that with me and Meredith? I
0: think it's the four of you. Oh, the four of us, I, and you're all. Oh yes, yes, in these yes. Dresses, and your.
1: And we go around the circle, and everyone's had a little more done, and then it. I think the last person is Aurora, and it's she has a shellfish allergy, and that's why her lips are big. And that's right. Everyone's like, "Oh, can I have the shellfish?" It, I mean, that
0: it? was like sort of in its own vein, sort of in the grotesque world. Yes. Like all of you had pushed the limits yeah. of what your faces could look yeah. like under such conditions. We and was whatnot.
1: such good hair and makeup team. Yeah, they so good. Kim Primo leading the the makeup team, and Helen Mackenzie, and Ashley, and Min. And
0: you had mentioned that you had been on stage with. Um, With Aurora. And I guess, were you on stage with Jennifer too before this? No.
1: no. Well, Jen, yeah. I mean, not at Second City. She was already alumni when I was coming through. But I was producing a show with uh, Don Whitwell called Wand Portal and I would bring on Jen a lot and bring on Aurora. So we were sort of working together already on stage, uh, mostly improvising. Um, and Aurora and I would do some sketch together sometimes. And how did
0: we find, How did Meredith come into the
1: picture? Well, I went back in 2012. I sort of had an on-again, off-again relationship with 22 Minutes. So okay. I would left, and then I was at the hour, and then I was doing other things, and then they called Mark Farrell, I guess, had left as showrunner and then came back and said, hey, can you come in? And I show up just to do, you know, six months or a few months. And I arrive, and I do my homework, okay, who's the cast now? What's happening? You know, I haven't been here in a couple of years, and I see Meredith mcneil uh she's playing a kind of a small part, almost a background character in a in a bigger larger scene. I was like, "Who's that right? Holy shit, she's yeah. funny and and she's barely has a line in the scene, but she's the one I can't take my eyes off. so um, I got there, I got settled. I went down to her dressing room because the writers were sort of upstairs in this room and I guess all the actors had their dressing rooms on the right, other right. floor. So I went there and I was like, introduce myself. And, um, and we hit it off immediately. And, uh, and so I started writing for her on the show and we started just talking about Canadian television and of course she'd come from England uh, where she'd been for I think 10 years and um, we knew we wanted to collaborate together and she really wanted to do female sketch. She was super, you know, because there were some troops like out in England that I loved, like Smack the Pony. I was
0: a big fan of theirs right, and yeah. I think she was as well. they come up uh, sort yeah. of in conversation here and there,
1: yeah. Yeah, so we met out in, in 22 and then she'd come to Toronto and stay in my guest room and we would write together and try to Get something, Isn't get something it, off the ground. It,
0: it's such a, uh, that really does show the love in your heart for it. Like, let's just sit down and yeah. come up with ideas.
1: We did. And we would we would sit at my dining room table and we had like an apple. No, and no a paycheck
0: land. at the end of it. No,
1: oh gosh, no paycheck. Just
0: let's write funny things.
1: Yeah, let's try to write. Well, it wasn't, at that point, I think we were more like using our strategic minds. I don't think we were writing funny things at that point. But we were like, okay, how does this industry work? Like, how do we crack this thing? Okay, so if this apple is... Yeah. You know, Sarah Fowley and this lemon. You know, like we took all the players, whoever was sort of in the industry and who are they and how do you do this?
0: Who's making this decision that could allow us to do something? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we were we would we would get together and she'd fly in and we'd work at my place. And then I introduced her to Meredith and Jen. I mean, this is after we know I was talking to Frantic and then it was like, oh, Jen Whalen and, and Aurora Brown. And then of course they met Meredith and they all got along
0: and in actually crafting the four, yeah. was there you kinda had an idea of I what did. was going on there? I knew Aurora was
1: like such a phenomenal actress and working with her at Second City, I loved collaborating with her. We did almost all our scenes together and uh, and she was actually living in my building two stories down. So right. that was Pretty convenient too, she but that's the, not why. She, she was your she was Chris chosen. Locke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Totally getting an high and hanging out. Know, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then Jen Whalen and I, you know, we had stayed friends and I was putting her in my show and Juan Portal. And she's a very, you know, gifted improviser and, you know, a great writer and stuff. And so I was, to me, it was like, yeah, Jen Whalen and Aurora, those are the people.
0: What, do you remember that time where the four of you first got together and actually were like, W- was there already a contract in place? Or yeah, was there was. It, we okay. were
1: working on that. Like we went and we took our meetings and stuff. Like we already had the interest of frantic, and the, now at this point, the pitch document's been written, and and so the four of us went in and we made sure we looked right and we knew what we were going to say, but make it seem seamless. Like right. we were very strategic. We're like, we're gonna get this. And one of the things was we didn't want web series. And I think it's awesome to have a web series. But for us at that time, we're like, no, we want this. And we actually knew we wanted it on CBC. So we we met with all the other
0: networks, but CBC is where we wanted to be. And it was interesting because there was this moment where they were putting comedy really in the forefront again. I think mm-hmm. Schitt's Creek had given them yeah. some confidence yeah. and, and even though it was still in its infancy It too, was just coming and, out when we were, yeah. yeah I think,
1: and, you know, and Working Moms was coming out when right. we were So, and Kim's Convenience around the same time. So they all sort of seemed to be greenlit give or take within... It's
0: been good day. right it's like a nice comedy package yeah all these shows yeah and together. all very different so the, the four of you come together and you start uh, uh filming these things mm-hmm. and you've got figured out your first set of sketches was it the sense of in that first season gosh we have so much material that Mm -hmm. has all been waiting to happen in this moment what's the that first season been like compared to what generating after after that
1: really different because we did we did two demos so the four of us wrote a demo we shot it. i think we had a budget of five thousand dollars uh and we didn't see any money we didn't get paid as actors like that was all just to pay for camera and you know sound that kind of thing and we shot this thing in two days and and i was in the edit suite with sean song uh, who still works with us and Got this thing edited down to like eight minutes or something like that, and we showed it to the CBC in our pitch. Um, and then we worked together. We did another demo once we got green or we got development. Right, uh, we got a development deal, and so then Sweet they said development cash. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it, so this was just for them to say, okay, well, what is it like working together now? Right. So you're going to write the sketches, and this time we're going to approve them or not, or you know, give our notes. And and so then we did that, and we had you know a little bit more money, but still, again nothing crazy. And um, so we did that. And then we, so when we were green lit, I think it was March 4th or something. It was when the year of the horse was going into the year of the sheep. I know that.
0: That's how I usually measure things as well. <laughs> Just keep an eye on my stones and yeah. also what year. It
1: was that because I wanted my horse to come in. I was like, come on, you know, Chinese New Year. Like it's going to happen. The horse right. is going to cross. And then we we transitioned into the year of the sheep. I was like, oh no, if we didn't get green lit, it's over. <laughs> And uh, so then, my friend Sasha Pierce, who's a very gifted artist, she did something for me, which was a bunch of horses running, and with some sheep in front, so the horses were pushing the sheep across right. the finish line. <laughs> That's and then, very sweet. And it came; it was beautiful. Yeah. And then we got the green light. So, That's pretty great. Yeah. And, and uh, so, material. Sorry to answer your question we'd use those those pieces, and then we, we reintroduced some of those from the demos into the first season. But no, it was all, it was new stuff. It was, right. and we were able to bring in other writers. And so we overwrote, and we overshot. And that was by intention, so that you're not sitting there having to put something yeah, in. Like, stuck, there has to be room for error. error. Yeah. You have to fail. You have to try something and then find out, oh, some other troupe did
0: it, or... And you're still, oh, you're still doing that.
1: I always. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't overshoot as much now. Right. Uh, we've learned a few things, but really you can work so hard on a sketch and put tons of money and resources and people and talent and have it flop and not work. And then the sketch you improvise on the day, we call them sort of like little improvised blackouts those ones sometimes end up being killer and and get in the show so
0: was it a good time that first season or was yeah. there a sense of like urgency like we need to make this work
1: or? well i mean it was both yeah. it was a good time and there was a sense of urgency right. and you know we had a shoestring you know like we were working in at the great hall on dover court and up in this little room at the top. and I know the building. Yeah. Done
0: lots of interviews in there.
1: Yeah, a great building. Yeah. They, they were very good to us. And we were bringing our own office supplies and rolling a desk from my house down Shaw Street, you know, like, you know, making it comfortable and right. stuff. But it was hard. But the vision was very clear. And it was like, this is what this is where we're heading. The compass, I felt, was very clear. And so while it was a ton of work and a huge learning curve, we didn't have time to second guess it was like let's just it's it's happening
0: i think you know something that has been so refreshing for me is just to be let in on these conversations that we didn't necessarily see on tv before Mm -hmm. these were things that you know maybe specifically between women that I just hadn't had access to before. And I maybe had an inkling that that's what, how that conversation yes. might go. Right. But suddenly we were getting these wonderful examples packaged yeah. each and every week. Yeah. And uh, so lovely. And I, and I think that uh, uh, as time has kind of come along, it's been fun to see that there's these really specific characters that, that each of you have strengths for. You yeah. know, you love to be a cop. Do I? Yeah, I've seen you as a cop. Okay. Lots of times. Okay.
1: Come on. Sure, I guess so. Yes, I hack. <laughs> I've played a lot. Head, of, head of an
0: office. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of office. A lot of bosses. A lot of bosses. A
1: lot of villains. Like, a lot of... And yeah. some clueless people. People who just don't get it. Right. Yeah.
0: Anything you, you won't touch as far as...
1: Oh. I'm not great at getting super angry okay. on camera. Like, I just... As an actor, I'm not... So skilled at that, and I don't really—I'm not great at, like, crying. Like, Aurora could cry at the drop of a hat. She can start to cry, and she has that skill. I don't have that. So if it's going to be a really emotional crying kind of thing, I'd be inclined to say, hey, Aurora, (laughs) like, you might be great at that.
0: Aurora's often in the office— being the butt of everybody's... She can be, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah she is that's, sometimes. a
0: situation for her.
1: And I can play frustrated. Right. You know, uh, like the person, I don't know if you've seen the Uber sketch, you know, where I'm wanting my friends to get ready in time because the Uber's downstairs. Right. It's like, it'll be four <laughs> minutes, guys, hey. Right. Right. And then like, come on, guys. And then she just fucking loses it. Uh, I can do that. I can become unhinged.
0: But I uh, also love this the notion and the setup. It's often created where it's like just friends getting together just a bit of like we're just gonna who cares what we do yeah. but it's, it's there's so many specific problems yes within all that it's yeah. just always joyful to yeah. watch always
1: oh thanks <laughs> I, we I love
0: you that to the, <sighs> the table at the restaurant right they you know oh yeah we'll sit anywhere but no Yes, there's a hundred tables yes. we, we need to try, and
1: that was inspired by my friend Jill Kirschman, who worked with us in, in first year. And she's like that when she goes to a restaurant; <laughs> right. she's always going to change. And it's like, okay, all right, you know. And <laughs> right. so taking those things and or we'll
0: just order anything, yeah, but yeah. no, but and it's always a big, a big problem. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
1: And those like that's examples. The, the so, cottage okay.
0: one as well too. The cottage just relax. Yeah, <laughs> but no.
1: But no. Here are the rules. And yeah. at the we're at the cottage was inspired. I have a cottage, not that one, but was a nice that was a nice fancy cottage but it was on a shit lake like it, the lake had like fish floating dead on it and that's it was, behind the scenes yeah, right there it, had, it did have a water snake someone on the, a in the water curve, snake yeah someone in the crew got bit by a snake or something Whoa. and it just because we were going to swim in the scene we were going to dive in it was like I'm not going in that so it was sort of a gorgeous cottage on a really dead lake right Toxic, like, but that scene, yeah, was inspired by actual things that people say at a cottage. Like everyone's going to say, "It's noon somewhere," yeah. you know, when they <laughs> want to drink their Caesar and <laughs> right. you know.
0: But and, and then of course it's don't relax. Yeah, you know, make sure you remember these twenty rules. Oh, the rules, have. yes, yeah. cottage rules, yeah. yes, that
1: sketch, yes, yes, and um, it is like that.
0: There's been a couple that have gone mega viral, right? I, I would yeah. say that was kind of yeah. It felt like one of
1: them. Yeah, that was one. I know the locker room birthday sketch went. Uh, that was the one turning forty that Monica Heise wrote that. That right. was um forty turning forty at the gym. And uh, yeah, that got that was our first one that we ever released.
0: So crying, anger, you, you stay away from those. But but what about us? As, as I the-
1: can do seething anger, though, like passive-aggressive, <laughs> right. absolutely yeah, angry I've, people, but not... Uh... I've seen you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's my comfort zone,
0: Mark. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, I was, is, there, is there a topic or something that you've sort of said, you know what, That that's just too hot for us to touch or mm. uh, that's that's going to be too difficult to make funny or something where you, the, you've had to sort of put the brakes on an idea?
1: Mm. That's a great question. Uh, usually we're not afraid of stuff. Like we've gone to some <laughs> hard places. <I> <laughs> uh, we do do that. If anything, when I was showrunning, like, it would be like just, I just don't want to go to the cliche. Like I'd, I'd rather steer away from, oh, has that been done so many times or right. is it too... Boys against the girls, like, I'd rather look at the problems being systemic, you know, like, we're all living in a messed up world, and, you know, patriarchy hurts us all, not just women, more shying away from stuff that felt like, oh, have have we already done a scene, a relationship scene, like, has that been done on every sitcom about every straight couple, like, ah, don't want to do that, but I think as far as hard topics, we have tried to tackle some that we didn't, if we didn't hit it, then we don't shoot it, or it doesn't go to air, and you go... We tried. But if you're not going to do it, it's not well. But if it, if the POV is not coming across for whatever reason, then it's better to hold it back than...
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's really, at the end of the day, it's about the funny.
1: It's about it, the funny. Yeah. Is it is it smart and funny? Does it hit? You know, and of course, there's the different kinds of funny, like the different types of satire, sure. I guess. you of know? course. Horatian, what, what is Horatian? They, they, Juvenilian and <laughs> menippean, or something? Well, I,
0: I'm a layman compared I don't know. to those terms. I, I don't but, know. But, anyway. but I do know, you know sort of funny smart versus funny haha, and yeah. all that kind of stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, all but, of those. Yeah.
1: And that something doesn't have to, it can be short. You know, if the joke is just one stupid joke, you don't need to have it go on for nine minutes. Have it be 30 seconds and... And you're on to the next
0: thing. One of those short ones. I'm trying to remember if you were in this sketch. It was very short, but it was uh, two gals going to the park. They're sitting down having some wine on a picnic t- uh, blanket. Mm-hmm. They're having a great time, just catching up, you know, the usual thing, yeah. right? Fun. And then one announces they're going to have a baby. Yes. And uh, the other person very quickly says, Well, I'll never. See you again. Yes,
1: I, w- I was in that, Mark. Yeah, I yeah, wrote right. that sketch, actually, Mark. There were four of us in it. We were playing croquet. I thought it was just two. No, I thought it was two. There were two who oh, were Oh, yeah, that was kids. like
0: croquet. croquet yeah, we were playing that.
1: croquet, and then it was like, we have some news, and it was like, oh, well, great. We'll never see you. It, was it was really never, great knowing you. Yeah. And that's the way it is. I mean, I don't have, do you have kids?
0: I, I do, but oh. it's, I mean, it's a long, sordid story. But oh. uh, I have stepkids who are older. I have, okay. I'm a big brother, so I'm a little brother. Oh. Uh, and I had a daughter very early. And so she's all grown up. Yeah. Okay. So I've never really had the, the to deal with the like the baby baby right. you know, part of things. The baby baby. Um, I will say that I have had that experience where people have we've had dinner and they said we're about to have a baby, mm-hmm. and I I think I literally said to a couple, uh-huh. I, "That's it. We're this has been fun. This has
1: been fun. Yeah. Have a good one. <laughs> Wish I'll like the picture on Facebook. You yeah. know." <laughs>
0: For sure. <laughs> for sure, I'll do that.
1: I'll do that. Yeah. I'll you know heart the Instagram, but I I just uh,
0: yeah it's sort of like so that yeah. came from your heart. It's, I'm glad. Yeah.
1: Oh, it came from a very true place. It's like there you go. Okay, yeah. Well, we, it's a sort of bunch. sad, right?
0: Because we might have friends listening right now who we've done that to. Yeah. yeah. For
1: sure. <laughs> now there are some cool fri- you know friends who are able. To, yeah, bring their kid along, and the kids kind of cool and they carry their kid around like a football. You know, right. like. But
0: um, yeah. Uh, that's something you ever think about doing the kid carrying thing? a kid around in like a football. <laughs> <laughs> no, thing.
1: I don't. I think I had a time in my thirties where I was like, Oh, maybe I would like a family. Right. But, um, that voice is so strange. I was <laughs> like, don't trust her. Who <laughs> would, <laughs> What's that tone? Um,
0: Sort of a higher register. Yeah,
1: higher register, not grounded in any (laughs) true desire.
0: Uh, (laughs) Sort of like a guide that's, you know, maybe this should be the way things go. No, I I think
1: I felt I had that sort of feeling, but I, no, not my jam. Like, I think my art and that type of thing it sounds cliche I guess it's, it's my baby uh, and it is I, mine and I love cats and you know
0: <laughs> you have a lot you have many well, uh,
1: no I, right now I'm catless but I did have a cat for who was like 22 23 and she yeah. was I had her for 18 19 years it's a long run she just died I fucking love that goddamn cat she was in Baroness many times really yeah she was in put the cat down the one where I'm holding a cat above my head and the doctor says we're gonna have to put the cat down and then you cut to me with the cat above my head I'm like oh sorry about that <laughs> so stupid Bruh. And,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, she's been in a few sketches. I have five.
1: You have five?
0: I have, well, I have two cats, three dogs.
1: Oh, geez, It's a lot. Do you have a big house? No. No. Oh. Where'd you keep the litter?
0: <laughs> litter, when I created my Airbnb, there was a stairway that went down to mm-hmm. the basement, and we cut that off. Okay. So now there's a stairway downstairs that goes to a ceiling. Oh. And on that ceiling is where my cat litter boxes oh. are.
1: We had a cat. Um, my girlfriend had a cat Calliope, who also passed away. a Beautiful cat. She was toilet trained. Right. But then we it's pretty that, good. Yeah, but we didn't do like she arrived toilet trained and okay. morning was like no. It's, it's weird, right? It.
0: I had a friend who had a, he had a, one of those Maine Coon. Yeah. Giant, those giant. Kids. Oh, a giant Maine Coon. Yeah, yeah and uh, he could do that. It was really weird. Wow. I'd walk in and I'd be like, "Oh, hmm, guess this is uh, a." <laughs> Being used. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. <laughs> Cat turns around. Yeah. You see the okay. stink eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so that's my family, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, there was a, uh, I'm trying to remember, a. Uh, it was right there, and then we got on the oh, main no. coon thing.
1: Talking about cats, <laughs> talking about family, having children, maybe. Uh, uh,
0: you were playing the mother... Of a uh, uh, lesbian woman who's just she's about to get uh, she's just hitched with this new gal mm-hmm. who's from Mexico I think and uh, and you're giving them all all this advice you're trying to be cool mom for the uh, huh the lesbian lesbian daughter you remember that? oh, oh yes, yeah. yes 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 yeah. called
1: jealous of your come out yes yeah. yes yes yes. that was season four sorry I was blanking for a second yes so my daughter the cool yeah the daughter and uh, Monica Garrido plays right. her girlfriend uh, and and yeah that was coming from a place of you know how you know in some you know sort of liberally you know white culture or whatever it's like oh I'm your supportive parent and the parent seems to make it more about more them more about them yeah. and oh so wasn't it great to come out the, and it's like no there are people culturally who fuck it's really hard and it's not those days and it's not
0: we, uh, we, we can't yeah. we're not quite there yet where we're we not can just and we have to really
1: of, remember you know that it isn't the same for everybody no. and, and that there are so many parents yeah too who who do make it about themselves and they're like you know the marching and P flag which is awesome and supportive but so often sometimes it feels like parents make it more about themselves <laughs> yeah, than their kids the, experience. they're wearing the rainbow
0: shirt and, yeah. and off you go i mean i just as i was watching that sketch i thought well, there's a whole bunch here for you to kind of unpack. Like, you obviously had your own experiences with your, yeah. with your mom. and, yeah. and uh, you She all, was great. Yeah, was, that wasn't that experience. You we weren't borrowing from mom. There.
1: No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Like, my mom, yeah, my mom took it well. She was okay, but she did later say she had to end up talking talking in therapy or to someone or just to try to work through her feelings around it. But no, she was super supportive, never let me in on her inner process. It didn't right. make it about her. But she did when she was in the hospital a couple of years ago, you know, there'd be the doctor, and I'd be there with my sister Leslie and my my partner uh, Moynan, and my mom. You know, spirit of inclusivity, but we're also like, is this internalized homophobia? I'm not sure. She'd be like, these are my three daughters. You know, <laughs> here are my th- and meanwhile, Moynan and I are together. You know, like right. you, holding hands, and the doctor's like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, here's my three daughters,
0: sisters here. Yeah. What's happening? Yeah, what's, right. what's
1: that about? <laughs> so, but yeah, very
0: very supportive. There, yeah, I mean, you know, the occasional uh, parental. You know, Miss Steph. Is sure, right. her something. friend.
1: Yeah. Here's her friend. <laughs> right. uh, but uh, it was a bit
0: of a fifty story, yeah. In its own way.
1: But overall, I'd say I had it. I had it easy in that right. regard,
0: for right. sure. What I, I do like that about, even you know, in compared to Shit's Greek too, is that there is this assumption, even though you are pointing out, you know, funny things about difficult subjects, mm-hmm. but there is this assumption, like, hey, this is all just kind of happening, and we don't need to kind of overstate things Uh too much as far as sexuality is concerned, as far as, you know, gender issues are concerned. I mean, you are are going right after, you know, these big subjects, but at the same time, you're you're just kind of assuming we're all at a certain intelligence level that we can kind of get on board with
1: And I think that was part of the show. Like, we really wanted to operate at the top of our intelligence level. It's no fun saying, oh, well, let's dumb it down, or what if people haven't read Judith Butler's Gender Trouble? Well, It's okay. Maybe yeah. they're going to pick it up because right. they found that interesting, or maybe they're going to laugh at another dynamic that's happening in the scene. And um, I remember there being a big thing with our one of our producers about uh, the Caesars in in We're at the Cottage, uh, going trying to make an American sale, saying like they they wouldn't know what Caesars are. They don't drink Caesars. Right. Can we make it Bloody Mary? It's like they'll look it up. Like they're not going to hate the sketch because they don't know what a Caesar is. But uh, <laughs> anyway,
0: whatever. Yeah. That's been part of this right is that uh, you know you're on IFC you're yeah. on CBC you're on Netflix yes. how is that international attention how does it manifest that you are become aware of it and yeah. and is it just that your your social media is completely off the hook with people from all over the world or
1: kind of. Like you know? I'm a bit of a social media like, ugh, I'm not good at it. It kinda scares me. Like I don't have the blue check mark beside my name on Twitter. I'm very unreliable. I might write back or I'm not a good I'm Right. I hate it. Yeah, okay. I, I do it because you kinda ha- you I don't have know, to. you have to, but is... I'm not good. I'm like the lame one, like You follow me, you might get something. I I don't know. I get uncomfortable. Instagram, I've started to allow people in who I don't know uh, just to be like, well, sure, you want to see a picture of...
0: You gotta do me that. And
1: my mom. You gotta, like, me You're a cats. celebrity. You yeah. have to open it so up. So I am. So I have. Yeah. I have done that. And then Facebook. I'm pretty unreliable on as well.
0: But uh, <laughs> that's, I think that's a trend. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, what, were, what was the question though? Um, just the, the the experience of that international oh. exposure. So
1: I think where I notice it most is, I mean, when we were on CBC for sure, there'd be people like, "Oh yeah, that, you know, like the show." But when we went to Netflix, that's when I was like getting stopped on the street. You know, it goes in waves. I guess when the show's sort of out or launched again, that's when it really shows the power of that. It it does. It really does. Because then it's like, oh my God, I'm not going a day without someone stopping me, which is and it's fine because everyone's really nice and cool. Like no one's I did have one guy who was like, you know, I never thought women were funny, but you you change you guys changed it. So can I take a picture with you? It's like Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, okay, well, if you've seen the light, I mean, who am I to judge who you were
0: before? I, I suppose, Todd. But-, <laughs> but
1: yeah, it just...
0: <laughs> was that really his name? No. no. Really- uh,
1: so it has changed that way. And and being in the States, I got recognized. I was, I guess, flying to LA, LA or New York. I think it was LA and uh, I was at LAX and I'm about to go through that machine and I get the pat down because I always choose the pat down over that weird um
0: yeah the revolving, revolving x thing because you're
1: allowed to ask you're allowed to say no i i want the pat yeah
0: give me the pat down uh,
1: so i asked for it because uh, i don't want to go in that thing i know so anyway i got the pat down and then the woman said you're very funny i've seen you and i was like what
0: the pat, down. the pat down
1: after being all like how about that tough and then so that made my day um <laughs> So that's, yeah that's uh, that one sticks out. That one was a nice one. That was a nice one. And my friend Mae Martin who's been on our show a couple of times and has been in our writing room. She was in Beverly Hills and she's like, "And I got stopped." She did one from one sketch that she did with us, you know. They,
0: is is there uh, been a sense of there must be a, a a sketch or or a response you got to a sketch that made you feel like, "Hey, like we we did something there. We we made a difference. Like we we put something out into the world that You know, started a conversation that I'm proud of. For sure. Yeah.
1: For sure. I mean, yeah, we've had some of those for sure. Um, Most recently, I guess, um, I wrote one in season four, uh, the land acknowledgement sketch. And I was scared to write that. Right. Because I didn't didn't want it to be taken the wrong way. I didn't want it to be, we shouldn't acknowledge. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, where's the muscle behind it? And there seems to be some hypocrisy here. Right. And that was the part that was, you know, really getting into me that I wanted to to highlight and
0: um, Re- remind yeah. me because I've seen a few different takes on that bit. Like I saw people, you know, one guy they're going on a first date and. Yeah. They- the, he does a land acknowledgement, which was oh. kind of funny. I'm trying to remember oh, where that was. But, no, this, but I'm trying to remember how, how you uh, frame that.
1: This one is uh, We're at the theater, and Aurora she plays it so well, you okay. know, sort of Theater Maven at the front, just saying, everyone, you know, turn off your cell phones, you yeah. know, da da da. The classic, the classic. And then, the classic, and then right. into the land acknowledgement, which she says in a very, you know, yeah. serious way. And then, you know, uh, this. Territory, you know, belongs to other folks, and and we need to make right with all our relations and the whole thing. And then, and my character is like, I'm sorry. So, should we go? And like, sorry, what do you what are you saying? And and then my character is like, Well, I'm sorry. Well, whose land? If we're on someone's land, shouldn't we do something about that? And it's like, right. Oh, well, uh, just you know, there's a plaque downstairs, you know, <laughs> right. and 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 it really is just a question, just to start. The conversation, like, and, and so then my character is also saying, so are some of the proceeds from this going to the First Nations? I remember right, are, now. Oh, are, right, right. Yeah. are some of the ticket sales? Is a port... What are we and it just sort of ends with what are we doing and, and Aurora's character says well oh, we need to start the show enjoy the show and it's like okay cuz we're the at, show.
0: we are at this like about 5 or 6 year cycle where now we've seen that in theater we've seen it on yeah. giant award shows like the Oscars yeah. and so on and it does start to beg the question what is well what are we doing next yeah. is it
1: just something that is being said after turn off your cell phones and no food or drink in the theater like and I don't have the answers I don't know and and as a satirist I guess my job is to observe and to say something's up here and is this lip service? And what are we doing? And and um, but I, but and start that conversation. And so I have had people come up and say, "Thank you so much for that." And and people who also work in the theater who say, "You know, we we had to have a meeting about this and really talk it through." See, and this say, is, what this are we is doing? exactly
0: what I was thinking about: is that you, yes, you didn't have the answer, but there was this intention yeah. you put out there. Yeah. It's funny, of course, yeah. and and then it, it, it like it eats at people yeah. and they start to go okay what is the next step
1: what here? is the next step because yeah. you can't sit in that discomfort i mean it's important to acknowledge but then when we've got a few years under about okay well, we'll hold on a second is that all we're doing we're going to build and, pipelines and say our acknowledgments like come on
0: and in its own little way that changes culture
1: i think it i think it does just by looking in the mirror a little and again i don't i don't know i just said i am seeing something here right um, and then sort of leave everyone to to decide what they want to take away from that and what the debate is.
0: How do you handle the, the Me Too situation on that show? I mean, uh, there's all sorts of different routes you can go, but uh, maybe that's something that on the nose you don't touch. Maybe yeah. there's offshoots or what have
1: Yeah, it. it sort of depends. I mean, there's something that might be going into season five. I don't know. If we haven't decided the full um, episodes yet, right, but right. I feel like we're kind of dealing with it in many ways, uh, coming at it sort of in an oblique Way rather than saying this is what this is, I feel like we're we're talking about it in all different in all different ways, and it sort of came, it got, it came to a head. I guess it was when we were just finishing shooting season three. So we're always looking at that. We did have a sketch actually about a guy who massages women at work, um, and he it makes people uncom- so uncomfortable. That you end up releasing the tension, you you it brings the tension to one area. He massages it, and and doesn't that feel wonderful? So there's a lineup of women wanting to get oh this my massage. God, that's so ridiculous. we we ended up cutting that sketch because that sketch, you know, was everyone uh, good performances. But at the time we're like, no, no, no we don't want to undermine the movement now. Like that's not so it's not appropriate. Let's not put that sketch out because now's not the time to add that into the conversation because it's actually not okay. It's nothing okay, and right. we're not. Right. So I think it's sometimes what we're choosing to put in and not put in is a response to that, but it's like me too. It's continuing. It's 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 not like it's just one thing. It continues to evolve and how and, we address and,
0: it. And you've obviously had that moment too where you've worked on something a year and a half before, and then yeah. suddenly it's on TV, and it's kind of lining up
1: yeah. well, that, with that's, what's happening. Yeah, that's so interesting when that happens. I just had it happen with this not in a Me Too way, but uh, with this sketch called Cats. Um, I wrote that at the beginning of season four, and it was just this woman who, someone's got tickets to Cats, Andrew Lloyd Webber's a remount, and I had no idea the movie was coming or there was going to be a remount. It was just right. like bottom of the barrel. I have like, uh, an idea. I saw okay. you, and you're in the Cats outfit. i the Cat yeah, outfit, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, <laughs> I mean, whatever, no big deal, I'm in a cat no, outfit. No, it, and just this idea of like, I've only got two tickets to, to right. Cats, and then having, I liked I wanted to mine that sort of Canadian thing where obviously... The person who should be getting the ticket is the one who's obsessed with cats, dresses in a cat's outfit to go to work every day. But she's so mild-mannered and like, well, you know, I guess we all like cats, like, You haven't Uh, been
0: out in a while. You haven't been out in a while. And I
1: just love that Canadian kind of like, you know, and just everyone, hmm, yeah, I wonder who it should be, you know, like, oh, I don't know, I guess we can, there's a fair way to decide. That was a
0: great one. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And that came right at the time where Cats was being announced. So, and again, with no foresight, like that's again, when the ether or the universe or whatever you want to call it kind of puts things together at the right time
0: in a small way anyway you know we talk on this show very loosely we call it art at the end of the world because you know there is so much uh, cultural flux and just uh, politics changing and you can look at this moment sometimes and say it's bad news Mm -hmm. you know and it is it is uh very difficult and Mm -hmm. but i look at baroness von sketch and what you've been able to do and what as an individual and as an actor and as a comedian and with this troupe and i just think it's one of the greatest things that's wow. happened in culture. And I just, I love it so much. And uh, so as far as art at the end of the world is concerned, I think I'm kind of with Obama on this one. This is one of the great things that's happened oh, in our modern time. So man, thank you. Congratulations. Hey. You, you deserve everything you've got coming Thanks. to you.
1: Thanks. So. We, we worked really hard and had a lot of support from a lot of folks. Uh, but And thank you.
0: Season five.
1: Comes out in September. September.
0: And then what, are you still, are you going <gasps> to keep plowing ahead?
1: Knows, <laughs> Who knows, Mark? Who knows?
0: Great to have you here.
1: Great to be here.
0: Really fun. <laughs> that was a treat. How great was that? Thank you to Carolyn Taylor for being here. You can enjoy Baroness Von Sketch On Demand on your favorite cable provider, Netflix, and on YouTube. There's an entire channel there, of course. And don't forget, Baroness up for five Canadian Screen Awards in just a couple weeks. You can watch the show on March 29th. Good luck to Carolyn and her team. I also want to thank our sponsors this week, Red Eye Media and Crows Theatre, Theater.com, for timing and tickets to a couple different shows that are beginning there in the next week. Thank you for listening. You can find all the episodes of Art at the End of the World on the website, artattheendoftheworld.com. Subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, and you can listen if you happen to be at your desktop or laptop at classicalfm.ca. We are back with more in days to come. Our final episode this season is next Monday with the legendary singer-songwriter, my goodness, Gordon Lightfoot will be here. We'll speak to you then and for as long as we can.